Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show goes to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that can change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. I'm coming to you today sitting on the balcony of my sumptuous apartment here in beautiful Las Vegas, which is known to some as the hottest city in America. And I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. I've been chatting with him very briefly in the green room here. I like him already, and I'm positive that you are going to like him as well. So let me just tell you a little bit about him because I know he has a lot to say. His name is Jones Laughlin. Now, he's made his life's work to deliver powerful ideas and practical solutions to individuals and organizations struggling with too much to do. And he's written books. They've been described as illuminating in his presentations as unforgettable. Okay, I believe that fully just based on my impressions of the man. So there is so much in his bio. I'm just going to pull out a few things that I think are going to be really interesting to you. And then we're going to have Jones tell some of it in his own words. So among other things, um, he has worked with organizations like FedEx, Walmart, Choice Hotels, Toyota, Bridgestone, American Farm Bureau, Berkshire Hathaway, the Hathaway, sorry, the United States military, as well as others. He is the co-author and author of four books, including Always Growing, Juggling Elephants, and Getting to It. He's also worked as a senior trainer on the best-selling book, Who Moved My Cheese, training individuals from over 15 countries and presenting to over 275 different groups ranging in size from 25 to 8,000. Oh, my God. I am just already thinking this is a blessing that we even get to speak with this guy. Wow. Jones Laughlin, come on in. The weather's fine. Wow. Adam, what a fantastic introduction. I should get you on the road with me. I, I, I would get standing ovations before I even started. That's That was so kind of you, all those things. I'm glad to be with you today uh, to have this conversation. I can feel the energy through the, uh, through the internet. So let's get started. I'll open for you any day. So ah. uh, now here's what we like to do. I read off a piece of the official bio and- sure. And I, I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be in your presence. This is so impressive. But what we'd like to do is we want to get to know you a little bit. So we like to pull behind the curtain or mm-hmm. open the curtain and have you tell us a bit in your own words, a little sure. something about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion the way you do. Sure. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. My background is education. I'm a former uh, teacher uh, here in uh, North Carolina. did that for a few years and then went into the speaking and training space. Mm -hmm. um, My passion has always been around giving people practical ideas or models to help them improve, to take that next step. I, I believe that most of us know what we want to do. We just don't know how to get there, how to take that next step. And so uh, my journey has included a lot of uh, content development around that. And I guess really the the really big break in my career, because I think we all have uh, either a number of big breaks or a big break and and different things. Um, You mentioned about who moved my cheese. I uh, uh, was a trainer for that book. I I love the book and and contacted the company and said, hey, if you ever need a trainer, I would love to help out because I believe in the message. And actually it worked out. I did work for them. And it was fascinating 
to watch people connect with the message and be able to determine what they needed to do about change just by hearing the story of, of who moved my cheese. And again, that goes all the way back to 2000. And since that time, I have continued to develop metaphors and analogies of my own. I did not write who moved my cheese or you would not be talking to me today, Adam. Um, but yeah. I, <laughs> I did not write that. Um, but I've come up with other models and metaphors that help people to say, here's where I am. And okay, here's what I need to do to take that next step. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, uh, so what I love about this is that um, you are involved in the who moved my cheese thing. And I first heard about that over 20 years ago in my last corporate job when one of the many people who were licensed to train on that topic came in and did a presentation for our staff. So who moved yes. my cheese? We all know about that. But there's this other title out there, which I'm now hearing about for the second time, called Juggling Elephants. So how'd you come up with that one? Let's start by defining some terms. Absolutely. Juggling elephants is what it feels like when you're trying to get it all done and work in life. Uh, uh -huh. you're, trying, you're trying to get things done and it just feels heavy. It can feel overwhelming. And that's juggling elephants. And so uh, my uh, co-author, Todd Music and I came up with that idea after actually it was secondary to um the, the the whole concept we we started talking about how busy life was and and todd started mentioning about hey i just don't feel like i'm being the dad or you know spouse i ought to be i just don't feel like i'm getting the right things done at work i don't have time for myself and i'm standing there going yeah yeah we all struggle with that and and then todd said in a moment of brilliance he said lots of them but that was one of them he said um am i supposed to run around like my life some kind of circus and i said what did you just say he said, like, my life's yeah. in a circus. And I'm like, what, what would it look like if you did manage your life like a circus? And so we went in and had that napkin moment. You know, you see people drawing. Now, it was actually on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. But we started, you know, brainstorming ideas. And then we said, okay, if you're managing your life like a circus, before you start doing that, or what act would you hopefully, or would you potentially see in the circus that reminds you that you can't get it all done? And we talked for a while and said, yeah, juggling elephants, juggling elephants. That's, you would never see that act in the circus because it's impossible. But it's what we try to do each day in our workplaces and in our homes is we think we can get it all done. And so we came up with this model of managing your work and life like it's a circus. Yeah. Well, I... I think that's great, and uh, because I'm thinking juggling elephants. See, when I think of elephants, I think of the big animal that never forgets. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And and you know, it's it's ironic. We've had other people say that too, Adam. And when you're juggling elephants, you are trying to remember everything. You're trying to hold uh -huh. on to everything in your mind and go, okay, what was I supposed to be doing, or what am I supposed to be doing next? And it really does create. Uh, almost a mental overload when you you've got so much going on. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, let's dive into that because this is the quintessential entrepreneurial dilemma. It's something I feel yep. all the time. Uh, what, in your experience, are some of the biggest reasons we feel a constant sense of overload, even when I am? completely following my project plan using all my simple tools to keep things aligned. Um, I sometimes, well, not sometimes, maybe 20 times a day have this holy shit feeling. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 go I'm going through it right now. I'll tell you in all candor. Now the business creators radio show is audio only because that's just the way it's always been. Sure. And these are more, you know, like mastermind conversations where we kind of riff off each other and sometimes one of us will be saying something and the other will say, ooh, 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 because we can't wait because we've gotten so inspired by it. <laughs> exactly. and, the, and the way this typically happens is we're not going to be like staring into cameras. We're going to be hanging out at a cafe or something and uh, we'll probably be sitting side by side as a table at a table. Uh, we'll be uh, just sort of, you know, going back and forth. Uh, you'll have the uh, whole mastermind, let's kick ideas back and forth thing. Plus, I think it's cool we get to drink whatever the hell we want. <laughs> but, 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 but another thing is, is I'll tell you in all candor, sometimes while I'm doing these interviews, I'm also writing down some of the aha moments I get from you as the guest. And 
sometimes I'm actually dealing with some other minor client issue over Skype like I am right now, but I do have the ability to multitask and be in both places at the same time. Uh, among the tabs I've opened um, are your website, uh, a couple of the sites related to your books. So I wanted to you know, get into Jones Laughlin zone right before I logged in here. Ah. And <laughs> so, uh, so tell us in your estimation, let's get this back to you. What are the biggest reasons we all feel a constant sense of overload in our lives? Okay. All right, Adam, I know this is audio only, but I want you to do something for me, okay? I can do uh, it. All right, here we go. I know you can because something you just said. All right, I want you to take your left hand, and we won't know if you get it right or not, but I want you to take your left hand and point just out in front of you, okay? Just stick your arm out in front of you and point. I'm, I'm doing and it. With that, and with that left hand, I want you to start making a circle. Circle, circle, okay, circle. All right, now take your right hand and stick your, and you know, point your index finger out. Uh -huh. And with the right hand, make a rectangle while you are making that circle. Uh, this is like patting your head while patting your belly. You ca mm -hmm. I can't do it. That's right. And guess what, Adam? You can't multitask either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sorry. You know, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That well, I, you know. I actually wrote about this in my in my book. Uh, oh, did Groundhog you? Okay. Days an event, not a business strategy. Uh, if you know, for our listeners who are familiar with the television show Mash, uh, the mm -hmm. oh, I am. Oh, no wonder we connect. It was one of my favorite yeah. shows, Adam. Okay, okay. So you remember, you remember Fade Out, Fade In, and Fade In, Fade Out, which were the two episodes where they brought on the the Winchester character. Yes, yes. And uh, they were trying to impress upon him uh, the need for speed. And what did he say again and again? I don't remember that. I'm sorry. I do, I do one thing. I'm not that big a fan. I, I do, do one thing at a time. time okay. I do it very well. And then I moved on. Yeah. And my argument is to a degree he was correct about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and to your point, you know, Adam, what you were talking about a moment ago, you asked me the question about why do we feel so you know, overwhelmed and overloaded? I think so often it's because we're not. I do one thing very well and I do or I do one thing at a time. We, uh -huh. we start something physically or mentally. And then before we get it finished or to a place where we can let go of it mentally, we're off to something else. And oh, so. Yeah. You know, as David Allen says, we're doing that quick switching and it slows us down. I mean, you, if you, after we finish, regardless of what beverage you are enjoying right now, when we finish, <laughs> you could eventually get to the point where you could draw a circle with your left hand and make a rectangle with your right. But you would have to move so slow to uh -huh. do that. Um, and I think that's what happens with us in, in the workplace in our lives is that we get ramped up. So, okay, I'm going to work on this. Okay. Now I'm going to go work on this. Oh, now I'm going to go work on this. And then an uh -huh. hour later we go, what did I finish? And the answer is very little. Right. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I do have those days and I think a lot of them have, it's like, we've pushed a lot of trains, but we only move four inches. <laughs> I like that analogy. Yeah. yeah I love it. And, and and there are times when I just have to get absolutely ruthless about things and just start forcing them into buckets. If that means somebody has to wait, uh, that just becomes the issue. Like I have had situations where uh, I've been a little bit pressed and I've had to actually tell clients, I will get to you soon. Remember that time when I pushed everybody else aside for your priority? <laughs> well, that works both ways. I'll say, oh, I, I'm sorry. I get it. 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 Just, uh, just let's just agree on what the deliverable time is good good that yeah. works yeah so yeah. speaking of uh time you like to say the problem is not time management it's choice management that kind of feels like where we're headed so tell me more about that sure um charlie gilkey uh you probably read some of his stuff but i love his book getting um um not getting things done. Um, I forget what the time. I mean, Charlie Gilk, you can look it up. But he talks about how time not, cannot be managed. Schedules can be managed. Energy can be managed. Activities can be managed. But time can only be accounted for. And so, you know, it really isn't about managing our time. It's about what choices we're making each day that will make a difference. Um, well, like you said, at the end of the day, when we go, wow, did I accomplish anything of value today? Um, and I think those choices start you know, first thing in the morning, uh, when we make the decision to get out of bed and get started with our day, even then we have choices we can make that will probably give us the mental and emotional energy to focus on the right things that day, or we will take, make choices that will cause us to kind of go, huh, I think I'll just roll back in bed or we just kind of half go through our day and we're not really engaged and focused. Um, so it's just all about the choices we make that, in my opinion, that make the biggest difference. 
Right, right, certainly. So, you know, going, you know, going along with that, I mean, so what happens when we feel like the choices are made for us, regardless of our efforts to maintain control of that? Because that is the nature of entrepreneurship is yep. you, you, you have this dream of being your own boss. And, you know, I'll, I'll be around people who don't really understand what you and I do. And I'll say, boy, your boss is a real prick. <laughs> now, say, now, say, actually, he's a pretty cool guy. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's fired me often, but he always hires me back. Oh um, uh, yeah, he way. yeah he yeah I I I mean I sometimes the looks he gives me when uh, <laughs> when uh, when I see him in the mirror, son of a gun. Oh, that's funny. In in one of my books, Jungle Elephants, one which we've been talking about, we you know I talked about managing your life like you're like it's a circus, and so we espouse that you are the ringmaster of your circus. That doesn't right. mean you're in control of everything. But it does mean you take the opportunity to control uh, the opportunities you have or the choices you do have. So let's take entrepreneurs, for example. You and I both meet lots of people. Oh, I'd love to go out and start my own business. I'd love to go out and be on my own. And, and But I just don't have the time. And, and then I, I normally look at them and I say, well, how much time do you have that's at your discretion? Oh, I'm just so busy. No, no, no. That's not the question I ask. How much time do you have that's at your discretion that you have control over? And it's uh -huh. amazing how eventually I'll get them to commit to saying, well, you know, I've probably got about an hour a day or I've got two hours a day that I could commit and say, okay, now what could you do in that hour or two hours a day or five hours a week, however you want to position it, that could help you take that next step toward becoming an entrepreneur? Uh -huh. And it's fascinating in that moment. It's like a light bulb goes off and they go, well, I could, you know, I could start doing some research or I could start having some conversations with people or I could start building this widget or different things. But they've just never stopped long enough to say, what are the resources, time resources I need? What are the choices right. that I could make, um, you know, that, that I think are so important? Right. I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, so going along with this, where do you start? in solving this. Now, I know you coach people in this, uh, particularly when they come to you and they say they're struggling, they got too much to do, too much to handle. And sometimes, you know, and I felt this way myself, it's like, where do I even begin yeah, yeah, to suss absolutely. through this? So so what, what's your recommendation on that? I have a question I ask. Um, I ask is at the beginning of my keynotes uh, on this topic, or if I'm coaching someone, I'll look at them and I'll say, what's not getting done for you right now? Right. What's not or what's not getting done well. And and I'll have them list those things. And for some people, it's the strategic stuff at work or talent development of their team. Uh, for others, it's time with, you know, children or their significant other. For others, it's I don't have any time for me. You know, I hear that often. And I'll then I'll say to them, OK, what would it look like if you did have time for yourself or what would it look like if you were developing the talent on your team and right. after they calm down for a few minutes they go okay well you know if i could just have more one-on-one -on -one meetings with my team okay <laughs> and they it's, it gets almost redundant and say what would that look like or what would that take and and they can usually come up with a plan or a next step that they can take if you get them to get specific, just like you talked about your, your client that, you know, that you come up with a deadline for, if they get specific about, you know, I need an hour or, you know, I, if I had 30 minutes, okay, let's go find it. Because that's one of the other things that I find is that once we can get them specific about what they're looking for, then we're going to go find the, the, the resources they need. And most always I can, you know, figure out something with them that they could uh -huh. spend less time and energy doing. I mean, let's just start with the obvious one, Adam. For many people, it's social media. Right. Um, you know, it's the the doom scrolling. For others, it's that that time in the morning. Uh, I find a lot of people don't use their time wisely in the morning. If they're a morning person or if they're a night owl, they're not using those later hours uh, more effectively. And so I think, you know, it's finding those time resources. Then the other piece I think there has to be some accountability. Um, right. I started coaching about professional coaching about seven years ago. And I was fascinated as I got deeper into the, my, my training program and then went out on my own as a coach, how people are just craving for someone to, to follow up with them and say, did you do it? 
How am I going to know you did it? Um, and, and to support them in that, not from a judgment type zone, but just say, hey, let's talk about how that's going. Wow, you took the first step. Fantastic. Uh, what would this next step look like for you? Right. Right. Well, you know, you mentioned accountability. So I have uh, ideas on how you create accountability and adhesion to deadlines, mm -hmm. but I want to hear yours. <sighs> so to me, it's it, when I, when I think of accountability, um, I think it's just that consistent connection with someone and being willing to, you know, to let them know how you did and, and finding that person who will, who will call you out in a, in a loving way <laughs> when yeah. you don't do something. I think that's just really important, um, you know, in the process. And so, for example, if I'm coaching someone, I will ask someone, we develop the action plan of their next steps. I'll say, okay, how am I going to know you did these things? And they say, well, I'll text you or I'll call you or I'll send you an email. Okay, great. In some cases I say, I don't even give them that option. I say, I'm going to follow up with you next Tuesday to see if you had that meeting on Monday and resolve that issue. Uh, is that okay? And they'll go, oh, yeah, okay. And to me, accountability can look like lots of different things. It just depends on how willing that person is to, to partner with someone who will hold them accountable. Right, right. See, to me, I think you I think you I think you mentioned something very interesting is uh, the partnership and the accountability. So uh, I have found that let's say you set a deadline for yourself, but it doesn't impact anybody but yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, here's here's and this is the funny thing. You may be, even though it's miserable, comfortable where you are. Yep. And so many times you've already gotten away just fine with being able to say, Oh, well, I didn't make it. I'll do it next week. Or, mm -hmm. yeah, I know I'm in a spot and I really should have done this because this could help my business. But, you know, I've been through this before. I'll make it this time. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, and so it's, e it's easy to just wave that off. Mm -hmm. However, if somebody else is waiting for you to complete a deliverable so they can pick it up and do their piece of it, mm -hmm. then something else kicks in. It's our innate desire to be respected to have people look at us as people of integrity who come through and to candidly avoid embarrassment <laughs> because think, think about it. You know, you've probably let yourself down a bunch of times and uh, you just said, all right, Jones, I won't do that again, but then you do, <laughs> but it's, it's different. It's different. It's different to, it's different to just let yourself off the hook than to say, Oh, well, me not coming through really screwed this project or really caused somebody hardship. Eh, that's all right. I'll just make it up to them. That, that doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people I encounter, uh, Adam, uh, want to write a book uh, right. or want to create some type of content like that. And, you know, I'll see them from time to time or hear them or, you know, they'll interact with me and say, Hey, how's it going on, on this or that. And, you know, a lot of times they've not taken the action and I will say to them, whose success are you limiting because you're not taking action? And they'll say, well, mine. Well, okay, I get that. But you're comfortable with you not being successful. But who who else, you know, who else's success are you limiting? Who else's uh, happiness or joy or, uh -huh. you know, it, are you limiting? And it's amazing how when it starts getting personal, they go, oh, you know, I, I just I hadn't really thought about that because so many of the things that entrepreneurs create do make people's lives better. They make their workplaces more effective. They help teams be more successful. And so I, I, I think it's helpful for us, um, any of us, to put a face to it, you know, make it personal. Um, you know, whenever there's that project that we're not working on or focusing on is it's instead of keeping it general and saying, well, it's not going to, it's not going to make that big a deal in my life. Yeah. But what about somebody else who's struggling or frustrated or unhappy? You know, what you're creating could help be of help to them. Right. Right, right, right. I, I'm with you. And, uh, just thinking about that is, you know, when you feel like you're comfortable in that spot, even if it's miserable for you, but you say, yeah, I've been here before, I'll get through it again. In the long run, that doesn't serve you because eventually you run out of trap doors. And I know what that feels like. <laughs> I know other people who have known what that feels like. It yeah. is not a place you wish on your worst enemy. Well, maybe your worst enemy. I don't know if I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, but what 
now we're dealing with repetitive patterns and some of which could be instilled by things that we learned through our childhood and other influences that we didn't even recognize were building subconsciously that led us to place ourselves in, shall we say, an inferior position. So how do we how do we break that? And and the, and the reason I ask that is because yeah. every year, near the end of the year, you hear about new year, new me, best year ever, audacious new goal, audacious new goals. It's really the same thing they said last year. <laughs> so how yeah. do we so how do we break that? So this really is new year, new me. This really is uh, the best year ever. How how are we how are we getting out of what I like to call the groundhog loop, which is like yeah. you're stuck in that movie Groundhog Day, except in hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, bad place to be. I think one of the things that's helpful, Adam, is is talking with someone who can um, help you break out of that cycle. I I find that even when I'm in that place, cause I, I'm sorry, I don't have it all figured out. I go to those, I get to that place too in my life um, is that re you'll read until something makes you uncomfortable and you'll stop. Uh-huh. If you're watching a video about it or something, you know, somebody talking about it, you'll pause it or just, Oh, you know, I, that's not, that's not me. Um, I think you have to find that, that trusted friend or person in your life who you can say what you just said, I want next year to be different. Um, and, and, and now you can do paid options. You can go find a coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, I coach a lot of people around that, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to get people to, to go out and spend money on, but I think it is helpful to get someone who's professionally trained to help you to break that cycle. Um, because Mm -hmm. if not, you just have this conversation, this loop conversation going on in your head where, you know, somebody who's trained can say to you, um, what do you, you know, what do you, what, what's causing you to continue to make these same choices? Well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. What, well, what's making you uncomfortable about it? Um, and then, you know, going deeper with that, because as you said, there's normally some, some, some inferiority or, or lack of confidence or something that's driving your unwillingness to take those new steps. And, and you got to go below the surface to figure out what those things are. Right. Now, to me, I think sometimes it's what's hiding in plain sight. So this is one of the cycles that I've been working on breaking as well. You know, you have that feast and famine cycle in the entrepreneur in the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm. and when you're feasting, sometimes you have a tendency to let off the you know let off the yep. gas a little bit, and then next thing you know, you're right back where you started, <laughs> except worse. So you you're laughing knowingly, and uh, and you've probably been there a few times yourself. I'm willing to bet because I don't oh. know any I don't know anybody who hasn't. Oh yeah, nineteen. And I started uh, my speaking and training uh, company in nineteen ninety four, uh-huh. and in two thousand, I, I nineteen ninety nine, I had a phenomenal year. In two thousand, I almost had to close up shop. Uh-huh. Uh, because as you said, I let off the gas a little bit. Um, a few years later, you know, and I remember in that moment, and I, I don't know if you ever saw Gone with the Wind, um, uh-huh. uh, Adam, but that great Southern movie where where the heroine in that movie is going with, God is my witness, I will never be poor again, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I was kind of like that. I'm like, I will never let this happen to me again. I'm going to keep my marketing consistent. I'm going to keep doing the things that I know will have long-term impact. Um, about seven years later, I'm back in the same boat, had a great uh-huh. year. And then, and I, and then I had a lesser one. I'm getting better, Adam. I'm slow, but I'm getting better. Um, I had another one, um, in the late teens, like around 2018. Um, but you're right. It's, it's so easy to go, you know, okay, I, I've made it or I've arrived and, and, and not take those steps that we should take, especially in those feasting times. And so for, I've got enough history now that I can remember when I had those moments when I'm like, I don't like being here. I don't want to be uncomfortable again. And so that's enough impetus for me to do those things that will hopefully with what's in my control, not be back in that situation again. Yeah. As I'd like to say, and I've you know, experienced this phenomenon myself, uh, you can go from uh, being positive $25,000 in your bank account to being overdrawn in the blink of an eye. And then you, <laughs> and then you wonder how it happened because you didn't even do anything extraordinary. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, you didn't you didn't you didn't have that windfall and say, oh, yeah, now I'm going to go buy a bunch of stuff, uh, invest in a bunch of courses, sign up for a bunch of seminars or uh, just go party on the money. You actually just kept your operations exactly as they were. And then you blink and it's like, mm -hmm. wait, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. How am well, I back I here again? Yeah. Oh, I, I have had that situation happen with um, getting comfortable with having, you know, I've had clients who take up a large percentage of my business before. And, and I love uh -huh. that, I'm, I, you know, because it's a much easier opportunity and you can really get to know the people you're working with. Um, at the same time, I kind of get comfortable and not, I'm not developing new content. I'm not, I haven't been doing maybe as much outbound marketing as I should or developing the relationships I normally would. And I have seen those situations where I go, oh, crap, <laughs> they're, they're not going to be using me like that next year. Where's the revenue going to come from? Um, you know, right. Thing. Yeah, it can uh -huh. happen. It can happen. So I often say when it comes to entrepreneurship that uh, everybody should have to run their own business for six months because most of them would go back and hug their employer. They would beg um, to be able to go back to work where they wouldn't have to uh -huh. be figuring out all these things all the time. Well, you know, I, um, you know, I found some of my own patterns through uh, meditation and hypnotherapy that were mm. putting me in that. So it's still an effort to break out of it, but now I can at least start to see it coming and I recognize what's happening. And this is what I mean by the patterns and influences that are bubbling beneath the surface subconsciously that we don't even recognize are affecting us consciously. So when I was uh, when I was very young, I was deaf, mm -hmm. and they did some surgical procedure that restored some of my hearing. I, I'm st I still don't hear all that well, candidly. Uh, and because I was late in developing the ability to speak and such, my mother essentially homeschooled me before kindergarten. So I went to mm -hmm. kindergarten knowing how to read and write at the second grade level, mm -hmm. and having other types of abilities. So. Now I go on to first grade. Uh, they determine that I'm basically bored, and they decide to skip me to the second grade. <laughs> and the way they do it is they hold a big ceremony in the hallway right in the middle of the academic year. Wow! So I'm gonna so I'm gonna let you bullet point what you uh, bullet point what you're gonna guess right now were some of the impacts of that that lingered for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine it in my mind. Yeah, that's wow, the pressure um, and how uncomfortable that was, you know, being around your peers in that situation. Well, the uh, the, the discomfort went on nonstop for another 11 years. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I was labeled the smart kid. Yep. Uh, and so I ended up getting behind because these assholes left me out of everything and treated me like garbage. Yeah. So the idea that I'm eligible to just have a regular social interaction with my peers is something that was consistently and willfully denied to me. Mm, so that yeah. impacts so that imp impacted my personality development. Um, oh, and, I, and I didn't really have a chance to catch that up until I could go off to college, get away from all that and create a new frame. That's mm. that's peace. Now, not, now let's mm -hmm. speak about college. Because I had been skipped a year. That meant that I was now chronologically a year behind all of my assigned peers. I want you to picture two things. <laughs> being in college and being halfway through your freshman year before you're considered a legal adult. Wow. And going to Penn State and not being able to have a legal drink in a bar until the middle of your senior year. <laughs> so, here, so here are the pattern between those three things. I'm always left behind. It's my place to be below and beneath. Wow. And it's natural that I should be running a pace behind, struggling to keep up. Mm. And once that was revealed to me, that hit sort of like a thunderbolt. And I realized that, in a way, this was subconsciously affecting me because there was a piece of my programming that said, actually says, because it's something that's an ongoing thing, that, no, 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 you're not supposed to really be successful in business. You're supposed to just get by. Uh, no, 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 you're not really supposed to be 
an internationally acclaimed public speaker, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be the guy who supports them while they get all the glory. Because mm. remember, you're the you're the smart kid. You stay at home and study. Everybody else has a life. Wow. Yeah. Uh huh. And that's so. And so I invite so I invite our listeners to think about what was imperfect about your childhood. Mm-hmm. Whatever it means to you, because I mean, because everybody has a different answer to that question. What was imperfect about it? What was painful about it? Mm-hmm. And see if there are any correlations between that and whatever pains you're feeling now. Oh, oh, I mean, Adam, I'll I'll go first or second. Excuse me, you just remember. But no, I, I think that's fascinating because I, I think back to my own childhood and I and I've had you know counseling and some things to you know kind of help me do you know kind of what you just talked about. But I was. Uh, I was born very late in my mom's life. She was like 40 years old when I was born and they uh-huh. had tried, had tried to have children. And of course, this days before IVF and different things. Um, and growing up, I always wonder why there's, my mom was just so overprotective of me uh, to the point where it made, made me uncomfortable, you know, sometimes. And, and so it was just so much pressure. And my mom, you know, would say to me, if I came home and, you know, had an 88 on a, a test um, and I made the highest grade in the class, she was like, why didn't you make a 95? And I'm like, oh, mom, come on. You know, I did better than everybody else in class, but yet that's not good enough. But she was just so protective of me uh, because I was, I was her miracle child. And I've I found that out in reading her diary after she passed away, I'd found some writings of hers and, and it was just, okay, now I get why you were so protective. And so it really, it really hindered my decision-making ability uh, then because everything was based on, okay, how's mom going to think about this? Or, am uh-huh. I going to live up to mom's expectations? And it, it took me a long time. It, it was, it was past college, even, I mean, it even affected my relationships when I was dating. I, Cause you know, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, how's mom going to respond? And, uh-huh. um, and, and it was amazing. Once I got married, it was like my mom kind of changed. I'm like, who is this person? Uh, she was much more you know, laid back and accepting and positive. Um, but I have seen some of those same things carry over into decisions I have made in business over the years that I get so um, caught up in what one person is, what their ex- one person's expectations are instead of saying, you know, what's best for me in this situation? Uh-huh. What, what would best benefit me? So I, I hear you on that. And I hope your listeners will take the opportunity to, you know, to look at some of those things and recognize that they are, you know, holding them back from who they can best be uh, and to have those conversations with people about those uh, about those things, because it does affect uh, our mental health. It affects our physical well-being in ways we don't even realize. Right. So. To me, what I like to share is, yeah, I mean, you know, I I was born in 1976, so the way I so I'm a I'm a late Gen Xer, but the yep. way I really describe it is I'm a millennial got there a few years later. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So what? So think about your millennials, your and your Gen Ys and your Gen Zs as you work your way down, mm-hmm. and uh, these were the first generations that had consistent access to high speed internet on fast performing computing machines at a point where search engines became a viable resource for information. So they were the first generation that had access to information and support networks through forums, social media, the ability to connect with people above and beyond your own neighborhood or your own immediate physical social circle. So they became the cycle breakers. Mm. And uh, now to some of the older generations and I'm, and I'm so happy to see that we're now building a lot of bridges to create mutual understanding that none of this was really the case. They look at these uh, younger people and they say, oh, these these lazy ass kids today, you know, they they don't know the value of work. Um, all they want. All, they're just in it for themselves. They're they're not loyal. Uh, they 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 don't want to they won't do anything when everything handed to them. No, that's not the case at all. What we have here are generations that have develop the resources to articulate that they want to do meaningful work that makes a difference and their concern and their concern is that what they do increases value as a result now they don't see how 
working in an office doing creative work, being expected to be there at exactly eight o'clock and say till five o'clock and have your hour for lunch and two 15 minute breaks facilitates that at all. Cause you and I both know that's not how human brains work. Now, yes, if you're working in a factory, if you're in emergency services, you're in retail customer service and a number of other industries. Yeah. You got to do shift work, but they, took the industrial revolution model and applied it places where it actually is a hindrance rather than a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, and we, and we have, and we have the first generations uh, that can point that out. And uh, I also, you know, tell people, you know, don't hate your parents, actually appreciate your parents because they raised you with the best information they had uh, for anybody above a certain age, your parents didn't have the internet. All they, all they had was, this is the way it's always been done, and this is what's expected of you. Oh, and uh, you you think you want to cry about this? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> yeah, and and Adam, to add to what you're saying, I think our society puts such enormous pressure on um, uh, the millennials, the Gen Zs, to figure out what they're you know going to do, or to have so many things figured out, and they have access to so much more information and opportunity and and they uh -huh. don't know and and i as i often say because i i do some coaching of some college students and i say it's don't get caught up in what you are going to do for a career or what you're uh -huh. going to do because you know they get asked that question all the time i say the better question is say what are you going to do next oh and, and what are you going to do next um and you know for some of them it's you're going to get your degree great you know, that's what you're going to do next. Okay. Then after that, you know, then you're going to go find a job that, that has some meaning because you, that's just the way you're wired and that's great. Okay. And, but again, I just think we as a culture put so much pressure on them to say, what are you going to do? I mean, we started in high school, we started middle school. What do you think uh -huh. you're going to do when you grow up? I don't know. You know, they have no idea. It's what are you going to do next? Well, I think I'm going to go to high school. Hey, great choice. You know, and while you're there, maybe sports interest you, maybe extracurricular clubs and organizations interest you. Oh, good. Uh -huh. What do you what are you learning in there that that's that's interesting to you? We just we just don't handle it that way. And, and it no. frustrates me from from us older people that we don't. Right. <laughs> well, being considered academically gifted. Uh, I was expected to overapply myself, so I'm going to I'm going to give you um, uh, two things. Now, I already shared with you how chronologically I was perpetually behind yep. in ways that I only recognized recently have been affecting me in a negative way all along. So, uh, after dealing with that, you know, candidly, it felt like prison being in in my required education, and. I wasn't really ready for college. In fact, I felt I was too young and I felt that I really just needed to let some steam off. But oh, they said, oh, well, you know, if you don't go to if you don't go to college now, you'll never go and you'll end up working a minimum wage job and no college will ever accept you. Well, that's not the case. <laughs> See, and what I'm happy about in society is that the idea of what is called the gap year is reaching a point of point of normalization that there are programs for high school graduates who are in that phase of their lives mm -hmm. to help them use that as an opportunity for the type of exploration and inquiry that will help them have a better sense of what they may want to do or may want to do next once they enter college. See, right. I could have solved a lot of my issues if I had just said, no, I think I'm going to wait a year before college and I'm just going to work and make some money. And see, that would have also changed me because it would have taken me out of that loop of, I always have less money. Mm. It would have changed to, now I have more money. So imagine a year later, I go off to college. I've had a chance to, I've had a chance to blow off the steam uh, to, uh, to get myself mentally prepared for this in, in a better way. And now I'm going to college as an actual adult. And I know that I'm going to be able to go to Penn State and have a legal drink my junior year like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I used to envy those, uh, those classmates of mine who did military service and then started college when they were 22. Yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah. you're a freshman and you're going to the bar on Thursday night. That's so freaking cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. One thing I, 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 I like, you know, I love what you're talking about there as far as normalizing that gap year. I'd love to see a language change to where we called it a closing the gap year. Oh, oh, develop this, develop this. Please do. Tell me more. I mean, well, because really, if it's used well, it helps you close the gap between where you are and where you want to be. When we say a gap year, it implies that we're going to stop or we're not gaining something during that season. And unfortunately, I think some people use a gap year like that. They say, I'm going to go off and find myself and they don't do anything to really close the gap. You know, it's I think it's about in that year, it's about it is about exploring where that means physically going to other places. But it's also about exploring what are your interests? What are you finding resonates with you? Uh, So that when you finish that closing the gap year, you have greater clarity about about the course, you know, the courses you want to take, the major you might uh-huh. want to pursue or the vocational school or whatever it is that you want to go to. Right. Um, I, I, I just think and, and I, I have and you're closer to this than I am, Adam. I haven't looked up to see are there guidelines for how best to spend a gap year? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's lots of articles out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, fa- in fact, I have a in fact, I have a friend uh, who has a program for that uh and and there and there are many things you can pursue you can you can study abroad there are online there are online opportunities that you can engage in that help you through that journey uh i know another person who recommends that you know you know what you you know you should do that year spend that year writing a book Mm. and getting it published because anybody can self-publish so you can be applying for college as a self-published amazon author and show admissions people that you've already thought through and you are thinking through some of the opportunities that you want to maximize when you enter the program. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's excellent because it, it, you apply yourself, you, you are stretching yourself, you're digging deeper into uh-huh. who you are. Uh, writing has a wonderful way of doing that. Uh, I think that's excellent. Yeah. Not, and, and another person I, uh, that, uh, that I work with says, well, Find something that you can do online as sort of a virtual assistance type role. Hmm. And that way you start college and you already have a business. Yeah. And you already have practical experience working with customers, uh, working with strategy, logistics, mm-hmm. creation, seeing your results come to life, and having more financial viability when you enter college. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was in college, I worked, you know, I, I had my part-time career working in fast food, which was actually, in retrospect, very helpful in preparing me for the world of entrepreneurship. Uh, and that's a way, and that's a way you can go. But I also remember I got all kinds of pressure from people that I shouldn't have a job at all. I should just focus on my studies. Well, you know, it's a little hard to focus on your studies when you're actually having to think about do I have enough money for a can of pop? <laughs> so uh, so I went along with that play for one semester, and I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to have a part-time job. I'm going to have money of my own so that when I want to maybe go out for a pizza, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, buy something or go to an event, I can afford the ticket. And just so that I have spending money, I'm not going to be agonizing about being broke it's just not it's just not happening so the me having a part-time job thing is part of it from this Mm -hmm. point forward yeah and i held to it yeah that's that's great i love that discipline uh adam and it it, and obviously it it paid off uh, and i and i and and, and some of the most successful self-made millionaires i know were the types who went to college, excelled in academics, uh, in many cases excelled in athletics, and also worked two or three part-time jobs. They were busy all the time. So rather than a job being a distraction, it's an enhancement. Right. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What can I learn from doing this? How can I grow? What, what, you know, whether it's, you know, um, you know, I'm learning things that are going to help me in business or if I work for someone, but you know, what does this moment offer me being curious? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I think all that's so helpful. Right. And, and there's another piece of it that I just wanted to get in here. Uh, 
you know, having always been classified as academically gifted and having more expected of me, particularly in subjects that I hated and could never even master, like advanced mathematics, which I, I just I'm just not wired for that. And it's and and, and I knew and I and, you know, we would talk about what are you going to do next or knowing what you want to do. I knew very early on that I wasn't going to be an accountant, a scientist, or a chemist, or anything like that. Uh, I knew that I knew that when I needed an accountant, I was going to hire one. Mm -hmm. If I needed somebody to do advanced trig 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 trigonometric measures, see, I can actually say the word, although I don't understand tr trigonometry, uh, that I was going to hire somebody or call upon a resource. People told me when I put my when I put my mad competition level audio sound system in my Camaro that I used algebra and trigonometry. And I said, that may well be the case, but I didn't do it. I <laughs> I, I I I read magazines, I pulled up in I, I pulled up articles on the internet. I asked relevant questions of people who were in auto sound competitions and they explained it to me and I did what they said. Hmm. So I didn't myself understand it. I understood the translation that said, use this gauge wire. This is how you create a ground. This is how you secure your amp. This is how you, uh, this is how you add a dual battery isolator. This is what a gel cell battery does to enhance it. And this is how you make sure that your headlights don't flicker. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, was just, I was following the work that other people did. And that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're using your resources wisely. Have no problem uh -huh. with that. Yeah. Uh, my fifth grade teacher used to say there are two types of smart people. There are those who know everything and those who know where to look it up. And of the two, the second one is way smarter because they will also be resourceful. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. What, what I was going to say here. So, uh, so at the end of my sophomore year at Penn State, uh, I, actually, you know, it was my freshman year, uh, I was told that I should apply for something called the University Scholars Program, which when I looked at mm -hmm. it, basically meant that I was going to have to spend a lot of time studying math. And I said, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing this. So wow. in one of my very first practical acts of rebellion, I just didn't submit the paperwork. Oh, I didn't care. You know why? Because I, you know why? Because I wanted to actually do something other than freaking study all the time. Oh, and there were, and there were, and there were enough classes available to me in the major that I was pursuing that I didn't need that. Right. I don't right. regret it at all. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, and now some of our listeners may say, wait a minute, that sounds lazy of you. No, it was me optimizing my resources. Mm, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to. I didn't, I didn't want to study any more math. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to get the full college experience. You know, they. You know, Penn State is where I went. It's called a university for a reason. <laughs> Universal. If I and if I had chose to pursue something highly specialized, I would have gone to a vocational school. Yep. The purpose of university is exploration, discovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. So um, tell me this. What is something new that you're learning about these days, particularly? Now, I know that our original intention was to speak about leadership. And what actually I think this conversation has evolved is we're looking at the foundations for ourselves mm -hmm. that help liberate us to become better leaders. And yeah. to and yeah. also because you and I have kicked back and forth some examples from our childhoods, our experiences as entrepreneurs, <laughs> that uh, we're showing people paths that we have blazed for them that they can now follow that will expedite their journey. So what's something new you're learning? One of the biggest things, um, Adam, is is mental health, mental wellness. Yeah. Um, and the impact that it has on us as human beings and ultimately as leaders, because we huh? bring our mental health into our conversations with team members, into, you know, how we process information, how we focus and spend our time. Uh, it has been fascinating to me. And part of it grows out of a journey with my uh, with our younger daughter, my wife and I, um, uh, Lisa, our younger daughter, mm -hmm. who has had some mental, you know, mental health uh challenges over the past right. year and and then just i have seen and then i saw how our our system our healthcare system or just is not set up and people aren't set up to be able to handle conversations about mental health i mean right we've got to make it okay especially for leaders to go first and say it's okay to not be okay right 
And, and so you asked me what I'm learning. I'm learning, number one, how grossly inadequate most uh, people understand their own mental health. But secondly, how, um, uh, how many leaders and even our people in the workplace can't even have a conversation with a colleague about mental health. Or if someone says, you know, I just, I'm just not feeling it today. You know, the first thing we say, oh, yeah, you'll get over it. Suck it up. You know, that's that old shift mentality that uh -huh. we don't want to talk about it instead of supporting and saying that's got to be tough. You know, you know, yeah, and there's value into saying suck it up. Um, Guy, sure. yeah, Guy Kawasaki famously, I remember he gave this interview where he said, look, um, you know, uh, you know, Monday I was speaking in Singapore. Uh, Tuesday I was in an event for my kid's school. Wednesday I was in Tokyo. And then Thursday I was back in my kid's school to pick them up and take them off to retreat for the weekend. And yeah, I'm moving around all the time. And, uh, and sometimes it's hard, but you just got to suck it up now. If you heard what if you heard what I just described, this is this was somebody with goals. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and 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 to a degree, yeah, you got to do it. Like one of the disciplines I have with my own internal project management system is if I have five tasks on my board, I'm going to complete all five of them. Even if it means I got to push a little bit harder because sure. I want to stay out of the loop of always being behind. So if that extra half hour or that extra little bit of effort puts me in a place where I'm keeping up, I'm at scale, I'm on track with how everything else is going on. See how that is helping to resolve the pattern I described earlier? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, uh, yeah. And, say, and saying, yeah, this other thing, it'll take me like 10 minutes, but I'll just do it. No, 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 no. I assigned it to myself for today. So let's put it in the 10 minutes right now. And then we'll do tomorrow's stuff tomorrow. And going to another, and going to another point, and my, and you know, during the time that I was in corporate for about those five years, it was actually mind blowing to me when uh, I was feeling kind of just you know flustered and discombobulated, and just couldn't seem to connect. And my my boss at the time said, "You know, it's actually okay just to say that uh, you're a little off today." Yes, yes, yes. Because, because, and he said, "I'm, I'm off most days." <laughs> so, yeah, you, you don't, ha you don't have to run the engine at full throttle all the time. You can just, right. you can just, you can just say, "I'm not on all cylinders today." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is like, wow, I had never heard that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, because up in because I because I had always been told that that was just uh, lazy and making excuses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and when somebody sees a leader, or hears a leader say that, say, you know, there are days that, that uh, I, I'm, I'm just not bringing it hundred percent. I'm just not, 100%. they go, Oh, wow. Okay. So that's okay for us to admit that. Yeah, sure. It is. Now, if it, if it's something that shows up over a pattern, you know, if you're feeling that multiple days, let's talk about it. Let's see what's yeah. showing up or what's happening that we can get you, you know, help you, you know, get back to being your best self. But we all have those days where, you know, we just aren't bringing it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's perfectly okay because it balances, because you balance it out by those days where you mesmerize yourself. <laughs> yeah, I like that phrase. Mesmerize yeah. yourself. And those are the days that you can do exactly what you talked about a moment ago, where you can push and say, What? I didn't get done with that fifth thing. You know, I am going to push another hour and deliver on that fifth thing. Um, and and that's so you know, that's great because then there will be those days um that you have five things and you get three done. You go, I just I don't have anything left in the tank. I'm just not okay. That's okay. Uh -huh. now, as long as long as you have the day you know, coming up where you can take care of it. Now, if you have multiple days where you're just getting three out of five, three out of five, okay, what's the barrier? What's happening here that's that's preventing you from being at your best? Yeah. And to me, I think we've just described there, if our listeners want to learn one thing about leadership, it's just creating that radical permission. Now, you want to speak about, Ooh. now you want to speak about mental health, you know, once, you know, as we become more candid about that in our society, I don't know anybody that doesn't have mental health challenges, Exactly. And I also think that sometimes it's approached inappropriately. Uh, you know, the first time I, the first time I, as an independent adult, um, sought, you know, what we call help for mental mm -hmm. health issues, mm -hmm. I, uh, I went uh, to some sessions with a, with a uh, PhD psychologist yep. and it felt like all she wanted to do was refer me to a psychiatrist. Mm. 
So then I went to the psychiatrist and she, uh, you know, she, um, uh, you know, you may have different feelings about this and I'm not sure what's going on with your family. You did mention you have a daughter who has mm -hmm. some, who's doing some work as well, but, um, this, uh, but this psychiatrist uh, wanted me to take this garbage called Lexapro. Ah, they, they, they quickly went to medication, right? Very quickly meant to medication. Yeah. I tried it and it made me feel so much worse. Now our listeners know that I'm such an allurophile, which means someone who loves cats, <laughs> that on my other podcasts, which are my short vignette shows, which actually are video, uh, my cat roams around, gets in front of the camera, knocks over the webcam sometimes, and they actually tune in just to see what antics she's up to. Yeah. So yeah. this 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 shit that this psychiatrist gave me um, caused me to get, and I was living with my parents at the time. I was very I was a very young adult. Um, I was leaving for work one morning, and uh, and their cat meowed at me. And I screamed at the cat, and he just took off running. <laughs> and I said, that's what this shit's doing to me? I will never take it again. And I dumped it out. Wow. And then, and then, when, and then when I informed the psychiatrist that I was rejecting the medication, somehow that got back to the psychologist who lost interest in me. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So let me so let me develop one other thing. There are other ways to work on mental health. What's been most effective for me is hypnotherapy. Yeah. So I ask, why... Does health insurance not cover hypnotherapy? And why in Nevada did a few years ago we had an effort to actually ban hypnotherapy? Hmm. I can tell you, I can tell you why, because with hypnotherapy, you can do visioning exercises and not only solve your immediate problem, but discover things under the surface you didn't even know were there. Like all these revelations I've shared over the past hour, yeah. that all came that all came through guided meditations and uh, hypnotherapeutic exercises. See, wow. there's no drugs involved in it. Yeah, but yet, the, but yet they miss the fact that hypnotherapy has a fun side to it. Because now you say, "Oh wow, I did that crazy visioning exercise, and now I have this new power. I have this thing solved. I understand what's going on here, so I'm not fluxing by it anymore." And as you peel back those layers, say, "Oh, there's something else." Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and uh, have them have them uh, send me into an exercise. I'm gonna fix that one too. So I think a lot of people would do a lot more of it if it was covered by insurance. And for goodness sake, we, you know, we pay in insurance anymore. Right. Why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. I mean, it says something, whatever uh, your point is valid, that it takes different things for different people. I have uh -huh. a, uh, uh, I have a friend who is a physician and, and he talks about, you know, people come into his, his office and, you know, they're depressed or have anxiety or everything. So he says, I'll take out my prescription pad and write down, um, you know, take one walk per day or go yeah. serve someone else. Or, uh, you know, he, he said, he said, there are some cases where it is, so, there's, it is so severe that there is some type of medication that, that we, that, that I believe would stabilize them that, because I don't want to walk out of my office without something. He right. said, but most of the time there's something else that can at least get them on the path to at least getting to a better place. And then we can look at what else might be helpful to, to help you improve. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's looking at other options. But sometimes Occam, Occam's razor applies. <laughs> it's sometimes just the simplest thing. Right. Yeah. And uh, and to me, that's also part of leadership is we don't always need the committees and uh, detail analyses and PowerPoint decks to just say, well, we tried this. We want to see if this solves it first. And I loop that back to the whole mental health thing. and uh, And I say that, yeah, I believe that if as leaders, if we can foster that conversation and help people, and, and the other, my other intention for going a little bit edgy there was just a moment ago, was to let our listeners and the world know that it's okay to explore these topics, to have these conversations, even if they're with ourselves. Right. That rather than allow somebody else's idea of what should be, you should be ashamed of to get in your way, embrace it for yourself. Not the right. shame, but embrace the possibility right. Right. that yeah. you can have that you can have what you want. Exactly. No, it, that's that makes so much sense. Is that, and I like the fact that you said, you know, you gotta gotta move beyond the shame. And, yeah. And, and and look at the possibilities. All right. So, Jones, I'd like to speak with you for another twenty years, but our hour <laughs> is up here. We may have to have you back sometime. So uh, oh, let's I leave that, that door. Let's leave that door open. In the meantime, uh, let me just give an invitation to our listeners. Jones Laughlin's website is www. 
joneslaughlin.com. For those of you who are not uh, seeing our show notes right now, if you just go to Jones Laughlin, that's J-O-N-E-S-L-O-F-L-I-N.com. And you can discover so much of what he does. He's got some uh, great resources. Uh, there's a blog with some interesting articles. You can see his books. You can see some um, information about his speaking and coaching. And uh, you can also see just more of his philosophies on leadership, entrepreneurship, business, and life that I think would be great. Uh, one suggestion I have, and I'm going to do this myself, is uh, check out his book called Always Growing, How to Be a Stronger Leader in Any Season. I'm really intrigued by that title. And I'm also going to pick up the one about juggling elephants because I physically can't do it, but I want to see what that's all about. We moved the cheese. Now let's juggle the elephants. <laughs> yeah, you can find both those books and more at joneslaughlin.com. So with that, Jones, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Well, thank you, Adam. Thanks so much for what you do for your listeners to help them take that next step to success, both professionally and personally. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.